0: Just before we get started, I want to share with you one of our sponsors and a secret to our success. I don't know about you, but I got into commercial property to build a more passive income. But how do you manage multiple clients and contracts in multiple buildings without spending all of your time on endless spreadsheets? After a lot of research, we use Office R&D, the best flexible workspace software, to manage our CMO buildings co-working and flex space. For starters, the automated bill run saves hours of work and means we don't miss any revenue. Plus, I can get many reports on the performance of each product and location. But here's the real clincher. We all need to focus on customers more, and our clients can now use our app to access buildings, book meeting rooms, review their invoices, and there's a great feature where they can interact with our member community. And this is all managed from within the Office r and platform. There's a partner link in the show notes so you can book a demo. Take a look, see how the system can improve your operations and customer experience. Right. Make yourself comfortable. Let's get on with today's show. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. This is the show all about commercial property investing for the private investor. For those of you who want to create great cash flow, no matter where you are in the world, this is aimed at both individuals just getting started in commercial property and those with a growing portfolio. Through interviews, hard-learned lessons and tips from professional investors, we want to give you a constant source of inspiration and up-to-date information on what has worked and what hasn't worked, so you can make more informed decisions about your commercial real estate investments. Well, well, how time flies and things change. It's been just over a year since I recorded a podcast about the possibility of inflation and why we should be thinking about it. Inflation has now become very much part of the daily conversation, and I want to make sure you're considering the implications for your investment choices and strategies. We all know that inflation eats into development costs, and some of you will be working through projects right now where costs seem to keep going up and the potential for profit is going down. And many developers are feeling the pressures right now with contractor prices continuing to rise. And if the subcontractor hasn't priced it correctly, they start to bust their gums, fall over their own feet or disappear for weeks on end. They're off to other projects where they may be able to make a better margin and they haven't made a mess of the pricing. It's not pretty out there right now and having good relationships with contractors is really important. But today, I'm not here to talk about those implications. I want you to think about protecting your income and making sure you're aware of new bargaining chips around lease agreements that don't adequately account for inflation. So let's get into the numbers. Going with the UK January figures for CPI or Consumer Price Index, they worked them out over a 12-month period. And from January 2020 to when I recorded that podcast in January 2021, the CPI number was 0.7%. So prices hadn't really shifted much over those 12 months. And they had been a bit higher during the year and a bit lower, but that's where it was at that snapshot at that time. And when we jump forward 12 months to January just gone in 2022, that period was 5.5%. So inflation is definitely back. It's even more if you look at the retail price index, because those numbers were 1.4% in January 2020, and January 2022, 7.8%. Funnily enough, the government doesn't really recognise those figures, even though they do publish them. Work that one out. Apparently, it doesn't meet the required standards for national statistics, you know. Try telling that to all the households feeling the pinch. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the CPI numbers of 0.7% and 5.5% and we're going to apply them to an example and look at how those different inflationary values will affect your different strategies in the way that you've drawn up contracts with customers. So let's use the example of a hundred thousand pound investment to keep it easy, right? With an overall income of ten thousand pounds. So basically, your yield is ten percent. It's a multiple of ten. It has five years remaining on the lease with no inflationary adjustment in sight, or you're allowed to have an inflationary increase every year. But these terms will be in the lease. You see, so one property we held for a period of time had a lease in place with CPI adjustment. So every year we got a letter from the tenant with their calculation for the rental adjustment. We've had a few leases like this, but this was the only one where the customer proactively said, here's the additional money we want to pay to you. Several other properties we've bought have had leases in place too, but they've had five year reviews, which during a period of low inflation, meant a significant increase at that five-year part, but there was nothing in the lease to allow you to increase the value of the rental during those intervening years. Only when the five-year review came could you adjust the rent for all the inflation that had happened in the previous five years. But during a higher period of inflation and your rental won't rise in those intervening years, that can have a severe impact because there's a few things it's going to impact, right? There's going to be the value of your revenue itself The spending power, in other words, is going to go down. So if you've invested for an income, now your income, it may not have changed, but the value's gone down. The value of your property will be affected because, as we know, a big part of the sales valuation is based on the yield or income. So, granted, a £100,000 property will still be worth £100,000 if the multiple at the time is the same, whereas a property with an annual rental review in favour of, say, 5%, will increase the worth of the property. Because at the end of the fourth year, the rental adjustments would have gone up, up to £2,000 extra a year. So now your rental in year five will be £12,000 instead of ten. pounds And if you just apply the same multiple, it means your property should now be worth £120,000. You've basically adjusted for inflation and kept up with it. Okay, the value sounds more, but actually the spending bar is the same, right? In addition to all this, during the five-year period, you will have lost out on that accumulative rental increase because, okay, year one, it would have remained the same. At the end of year one, you then increased by 5%, end of year two, end of year three, and end of year four. And that accumulative amount would have been £5,250. Now, that's money that you wouldn't have had if there was a cap in place or no ability to adjust for inflation. And I know it's relatively small, but multiply that number up for multiple units or larger properties, it can become significant. Because our annual rental is over seven figures, a 5% inflationary drag would need an impact of at least 50000 for every million pound in revenue. Imagine not making adjustments each year, because compounding would start working very well in that scenario, but unfortunately in the wrong direction. If the inflation rate was only 0.7%, it would still have an effect, but we might not be having this conversation right now. With that level of inflation, the rental in year five would be £10,280. It's only gone up by £280 instead of £2,000. And the accumulated additional income would be £690 for the four years of the rent review. Bear in mind, the first year would be 10000 as I said, and it's only the subsequent years that have the increase. So at 0.7, you would miss out on £690 over those five years, and your rental would have gone up to £10,280. It's all relative, isn't it? But when inflation starts to bite, it's more than one way. And this podcast is about you sustaining your wealth and creating great passive income, or as close to passive as you can get it, from commercial property, and I want to make sure you're protecting it. So what is the point of all this? Well, it should affect your decisions going forward. It doesn't mean you shouldn't buy a property with a fixed rental and no reference to CPI or RPI or Bank of England inflation rates. It just means you need to factor it into your negotiations and price. Couple that with the potential for a service charge that might be in there too, particularly if it's a multi-let property, maybe a managed property, but nevertheless a multi-let with leases in place. And things could go badly quite quickly if that mechanism isn't in there. The thing is, a lease should have all these things covered, but there's no such thing as a standard lease. There will be things that were originally negotiated by the client and the landlord that had a real purpose, to help facilitate that tenant moving in. Or there might be things that were missed off at the time because they weren't relevant. Or the lawyer for the landlord hadn't really thought about them. For example, they might have put a sweetener in to get the client in and said they would keep the service charge capped or only review the rental every five years. And during a time of low inflation, that maybe doesn't have much impact, but it will do in the future. So that's about existing leases, right? You have to think about when you're looking at buying these properties that have existing tenants, what are the... Factors in there that are going to support or affect me from inflationary increases. Now, if you do come across a lease that doesn't have those clauses in place, it's not time to run away. It just is a negotiating point that might not have been so relevant before. But now you can use that when you're talking to um, the landlord or the agent or whatever that's selling the property. You've identified that in the lease, there is a problem here. Something that's going to hold this property back. And actually, if you can play the waiting game, you'll be able to buy a property at a lesser price, wait till it gets to that review point, And then hopefully that's the point where either the tenant is going to start paying market rate or indeed they may move out and you find yourself a new tenant and suddenly it changes everything. And that's when you get that asset management chance. The only thing is, if it's five years, that might be quite a long time. It might be more than the time frame you're looking for. So that's about existing leases. But what about new businesses or new leases or agreements? Remember, looking forward, the contract type that you choose or the different types that you can choose will have a bearing here. If you're setting up new contracts, make sure you have something in there to protect you. It's obvious. For us, we try to use licenses to occupy, which I've mentioned many times, as much as possible. And within that contract, we have a clause that refers to an annual adjustment in line with the Bank of England inflation rate, the published rate. That's what we use. You could use CPI or RBI, whatever it is that's relevant in your country. Others will review the contract on an annual basis and renegotiate before the notice period. So even if you didn't have that clause in there and you were working on a license to occupy, which some of our colleagues in the industry will do, they they will just basically review each contract on an annual basis. So before that end of the contract comes up, whatever the notice period is, that's when they'll start renegotiating with the customer. And it depends on how bullish you feel about your rental rates and the market rates about whether actually you're going to put in a more sizable increase. Maybe you're in that phase where you're moving out of the kind of bums and seats phase when you filled the building or got the building going to now the stage where you're starting to push up your rates to more the market rate. And that might be more than inflation. It depends how you want to structure your business. We don't ever really put massive increases on for our customers. It's just not what we do. But when customers move out and new ones come in, that's when we make those adjustments up to market rate. Now, there are sometimes cases where people are on extremely low rate for whatever reason, and we'll have those conversations. I mentioned back in episode 50 that September seemed to feature as a month when we reach a peak in inflation. (laughs) Now, it would be interesting if the same thing occurred this time around. But whether it is this September or not, I think higher rates of inflation themselves will be around for some time to come. A lot of the factors that we discussed last year are still here and will continue to be so. There's not solutions to them, or at least some of them haven't gone away. As an example, there are still people and businesses with considerable savings. During the pandemic, they saved a lot of money. They paid down debt. There's companies with good balance sheets and they've only just started reinvesting, if at all, and they find it very difficult to keep a lid on price rises. Supply-led inflation is significant as well with many products in short supply due to shortages and time lags from when manufacturers closed or slowed right down. We all know about the chip manufacturers where they slowed, contracted what they were doing, thinking of this big long recession that was going to come along that didn't really materialise. The economy flexed very quickly back into operation. But a lot of these manufacturers got a big hill to climb to catch up. So that's really leading to significant inflation. That's supply-led inflation. And there's still a lot of money sloshing around. Let's face it, there's still people with loads of money throwing it into cryptocurrency, not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, throwing it on the property market, throwing it at all sorts of asset classes, because there's just lots of it sloshing about. And the perfect combination for borrowers, if you think about it, is low interest rates and high inflation. And that's not often the case. And although we have seen some rate rises in different countries, they will remain stubbornly low, I think, comparatively speaking. Government debt will be Lowering in value, and taxes will be rising due to wage increases. And of course, that fiscal lag on tax allowances. So this is where tax rates remain frozen. So if you're on let's say in the UK, you're on the forty percent tax rate or whatever, or you're just under it, but they freeze the amount where you start getting taxed a higher rate, then as your increase in wages go in, You slip over the line into the higher tax rates because they don't keep up with inflation or wage inflation, which allows them to grab more tax. Now, of course, if they're paying low interest rates on the large, significant amounts of borrowing they have and high inflation is eating away at the value of that, it's a double whammy. It's great. But I'm not sure you can do that forever, can you? Now, commercial property is a good hedge against inflation, I think. But it's not without risk. I want you to make sure you're checking the existing contracts for future price suppression. Are any of your contracts that you're looking at for properties you're looking at going to be pressed in price because of inflation and not having those mechanisms in there? And if you're a more active investor seeking out perhaps more vacant units where you can find some new tenants effectively and increase the value of the property, are you thinking about your contract clauses? Is there an automatic review or frequent review period in there? If you're just getting into commercial and you're using the same lawyer that you use for buying all your residential properties, they might not know enough about leases to be able to put in the right clauses to protect you. So just bear that in mind. The horses for courses, you get what you pay for. Sometimes you might have to just change that member of your team when you move into commercial to make sure they're picking up these clauses. We're here to try and help with that sort of stuff, but we're not going to be able to cover everything in a podcast. And we still make mistakes. With the right clauses in place, though, your rent should keep up with inflation. So the last thing I want to mention is that if interest rates do climb, which they're going to right? they're going to, it just depends on how much, then it could have a knock-on effect on valuations. You see, there will be a tipping point where the increase in debt costs will affect the affordability for investors. and therefore. Capital values could go lower because effectively an investor can't get enough debt from the bank to be able to go and buy a property, or at least the cost of the debt is such that it means that the income is going to be lower, the net income is going to be lower because the added effect of the interest rates on their borrowings means that their margin in between the um, debt cost and the income is going to be squeezed. And that will have an effect on capital values. It always does. So we just need to keep an eye on whether the central banks decide enough is enough and put rates up much quicker than they currently are. If you've always planned to keep for the long term, then the only way this might upset you, other than a slight dent in your ego, because your paper value of properties or your portfolio is lowered, is the loan to value covenant you might have with the bank. So just think about that. If you've got a loan-to-value covenant of 65% or 70% and the value of your property goes down and the bank asks for a revaluation, it might mean that you break that covenant. So you've just got to be aware of where your loan-to-value is and what's happening with interest rates because although it puts up the price, you might have enough flexibility in there to cover that price but it's also the loan to value covenant. So you just got to check that when you're doing those investments. So I hope that's helped. It's a bit of an update. Again, I'm not an economist, but it's just some of these things I think about when I'm looking at what's going on in the macro scene and how it's going to affect me in my little developments and my little investments that I'm doing. And I think you should look at it too. Contractor prices, all that stuff had an immediate impact right now, but long-term, make sure you're protecting your income. Now, if anyone has any questions on this or indeed anything else we've talked about on the show, then please do reach out to put your questions or your point of view across. I'm happy for any constructive feedback or um, to give an answer to anything where I can or even record a follow-up episode on a topic that somebody asks a question about. You can see some of the contact details for us in the show notes or you can message me on Instagram, just search up jerryalexander.commercial. One last thing I want to tell you is that we have a few different expert interviews coming up over the next few weeks, including a new sponsor for the show, which I'm really excited about. And I'm going to share with you soon. Oh, and there is one more, one more thing. I've been getting badgered about a date for a behind the scenes tour. This is where you can come and spend a day with us touring a few of our properties in the morning and then a workshop session in the afternoon where we discuss all things commercial. We have provisionally set the date for the 21st of April and we run in a Cashflow 101 evening afterwards. So, for any of you that don't know, Robert Kiyosaki did a game called Cashflow 101, a board game, after writing his book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's a great game, great conversation starter. It does, of course, teach you about investing, but it's also about the conversation that goes on around the table. I have to tell you that this kind of event has yielded four off market deals for me over the years. So that networking around the table too. Now I know for some of you who are overseas, this might not work and I'm sorry about that. But if there's enough of you, then send me an invite. Maybe I'll come and see you over there. (laughs) This will be a separate event though for those that um, don't want to come to the tour day or busy during the tour day and we have... number of people that like coming to the cast for evening so again pop that in your diary 21st available still provisional we will send you out information via the email so anybody who wants to make sure they're on that email list just follow the links in the show notes and uh, leave us your name so we can keep in touch with you about events and things that are coming up right that's that so it just remains for me to say to be able to invest in buying commercial you need to get out there and you need to get in the swim there. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast, and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews, and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes, and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.